championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Hello, welcome to 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Darius Terrell. As always, you guys are listening to the Hornscast Network. Please go ahead and subscribe if you're listening. We have two other great shows on this network. Darius, we have been away for a while since Arch Manning committed to the Longhorns. In that time, a lot has happened, including the beginning of fall camp. So we're going to go ahead and set the stage for fall camp. Give you a little, you know, refresher of what happened last year, even though you probably don't want us to. What fans should be looking for in these practice reports and the position groups we are concerned about and the ones that we aren't concerned about and what we expect out of these position groups in fall camp. Then we're going to get a little bit into the recruiting that has happened since Arch Manning. A lot has happened. Coach Terrell, my man, how you been? How was fall camp? Two days ended just for you, for you just, what was it, this week? Yesterday? Uh... Last two weeks of hell ended. It ended on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, and yeah. So from July twenty first through what August tenth? Yeah, it's the it's the worst time of the year. It, it freaking sucks. I have no time. I have no time to do anything. Um, but um, hey, made it through it. Ready for another season. Had our first scrimmage uh, this past Friday. So. So let me know we're closer to the fun part, man. So I'm glad to be here. Glad to be able to get on with you. And uh, shoot, let's, um, let's talk some Texas football. Just like you, Texas is also in sort of the hell stretch of, of fall camp. It's 110 degrees outside. I don't know. It's probably even hotter on the turf fields. Oh, I know. Yeah, we, we don't have an indoor. So, yeah. <laughs> we, Crazy. We don't have a bubble. So, so yeah. It's kind of set a stage for what we expect and what we want out of fall camp. Last season ended off five and seven, right? There were issues to go around. But if we're going to look at what you can really glean out of uh, fall camp, some of those issues really centered around, I believe, the offensive line, the wide receiver depth, the defensive ends, the linebackers, and the safety play. Would you agree? Is there anything else that you would say, hey, this is this was a big issue? Oh, well, no, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, pretty much named the entire defense, uh, the offensive line. Uh, it's a recipe. It's a recipe, uh, to not have a lot of success. And, um, you know, Texas experienced, uh, was it a six game losing streak? I think that was the first time that happened in what, like 70, 80 years. Uh, it just in general wasn't a fun season at all. But hey, it was, it was a head coach's first year recruiting well. It can't be any worse than last year, you would think. So, Hopefully. you know, I'm glad it's over, glad it's behind us and, uh, Looking forward to 2022 and what it all holds. But, uh, no, you, you pretty much hit everything. You nailed everything there. Yeah, including a game against Alabama coming up. But also last year you lost your running back coach, you lost your wide receiver coach, but you replaced your wide receiver coach probably with an upgrade in Brennan Marion, and your running back coach probably a little bit of a downgrade in Tassar Choice. But Tassar Choice has been recruiting well recently. Oh, uh, yeah. Choice is going to be fine. I mean, you can't you can't replace the guys – Stan Drayton's probably the best running back coach in the country. That's how you get to jump from you see him jump from being a running back coach to a head coach at a at a you know Division One school. But Texas did about as good as you possibly could with a guy like Tashar Choice, who um, I've had the pleasure of meeting him out here on the recruiting trail um, to a man. Everybody, you know, he's he's a rising star in this game, and um, they knocked out of the park stealing him away from USC after they had just hired him. Man, I think you couldn't do any better there. And with, with Brendan Marion, 
pretty much everybody was was dissatisfied with the with the wide receiver room and and how they you know how everything Andre Coleman went about everything last season and Brendan Marion just going by his track record you know kind of like Choice he actually has more of a track record than Choice but he is he is regarded as one of the top wide receiver coaches in the country and he's a future offensive coordinator you know if everything goes as expected he won't be here long at all but um he's gonna have to earn his money this year especially you know after after what transpired this weekend so um, yeah but they did as well as they could at receiver and running back with those upgrades in my opinion absolutely. Right. They also pulled in Quinn Ewers. They also pulled in Isaiah Nayor. They pulled in Ajay Hall, uh, Tariq Milton, uh, around the wide receiver in the quarterback room to try to help. But as we all found out yesterday, Isaiah Nayor, who was lights out in the best thing about the spring scrimmage, is now probably out for the season with a torn ACL. Ajay Hall, Fought with UTPD parking enforcement, uh, trying to take all? off a Don't boot off all? of his car. Hey, shout out to the strength conditioning program. Better to knock that boot off. Shout out to Corey Beckham, <laughs> actually. But, yeah, um, no, for real. And, uh, I mean, you had to have known that there was going to be something from Ajay Hall before the beginning of the season. Like, my Lord. you just That was just asking for it after what you heard from the Bama team. It just knew it was coming. And uh, Tariq Milton, now now the guy you're kind of relying on in that exposition. Where, where would Xavier Worthy be in? Probably Z, right? Oh, uh, hell, wherever he wants. Yeah, either, either one of those outside spots. They're going to move him around again. Yeah. You know, so um, they're going to have to move him around because um, he's going to have a, you know, obviously a spotlight on him uh, from other, other defenses heading into each game this season. So he'll get moved around. Yeah, which we'll talk about later, but that's why Isaiah Nayor was so crucial. <laughs> that That was a huge bummer for our days. I, I tweeted out about it. I was like, Texas goes in the fourth quarter of the offseason with a lead and ends up losing spectacularly, which is basically what happened last year. So this year we are looking for the ability to finish. That's what you want out of this fall camp is the ability to finish. Finish whatever you're doing because Texas was so close so many times last year. And honestly, with a worse offensive line, with a w- worse wide receiver room, probably a better defensive end room, worse linebackers and worse safeties. So... Going forward, what should fans be looking for in these practice reports? You know, obviously the injury reports as we talked about, right? You want to be looking for a clean bill of health there. You want to be looking for what's going on in the linebacker and safety rooms. How is Texas going to be trying to, you know, work around the Isaiah Nayor injuries? You know, how are we doing at the defensive end position? Baron Sorrell, you want to see his name a lot. And then, honestly, the offensive line. You want to hear good things about the offensive line. But again, at the end of the day, that's a zero-sum game. Uh, you know, you you don't you hear good things about the offensive line, that means bad things are happening on the defensive line. It's it's a little bit of give and take there. Yeah, you got to take it all with a grain of salt as far as, you know, who's doing so great and who's not doing well. You're not there. You know, people different people see different things, you know. Um, but um, the Nayor, going back to Nayor really quick, um, it's not confirmed yet. I believe something will should come out. Uh, when, when you listen to this podcast, it's just, yeah, when, is, when is it going to come out? Well, Monday or Tuesday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, so Monday, today, something will have come out um, officially on what's going on with Nayor. If it's true that Texas has lost him for the season, man, that is uh, that is a catastrophic loss for this offense, okay? I cannot stress to you all listening enough that, you know, obviously excluding Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nayor is the best wide receiver that Texas has had probably since Devin DuVernay. Um, what he was going to provide on the other side, just from defenses having to pick their poison with, with not allowing 
worthy to to you know double team worthy. What he was gonna him his presence was also gonna help the offensive line because again you can't load that box load up on Bijan and the Roshan because you got Nayor one on one who can win. You got Worthy one on one who can win. You got Whittington one on one who can win. I was fully expecting this young man to be one and done at Texas. I was fully expecting him to be a top sixty draft pick next season. Um, now that's not going to happen. And I mean, I guess on the bright side for Texas fans, he is going to be back next season along with Worthy. And, you know, your quarterback should have another year of experience, whoever that winds up being. But um, that is a major, major blow to the offense. His, his loss affects everybody. OK, it affects that offensive line as well. It affects the quarterback. It affects everybody. So that's just that really sucks to hear. Um, you wish the kid the best, wish him a, a speedy recovery. He's in great hands with the Texas medical crew. But that is God, that's such a big loss. That's such a big mm-hmm. loss. You're right. I mean, that's that's a huge loss for Isaiah Nayor. It's it's gonna be well, again. We'll get into. We'll we'll have some more time to talk about that. But let's talk about who we're not where we're not concerned this year. Where we're not concerned. Uh, the running back situation, the tight ends, and the cornerbacks are for me. Right, that running back room. I heard B. John Robinson played maybe three plays in the scrimmage, and he had a long touchdown off of one of them. I'm pretty good there. Yeah, I don't. I don't think any. Yeah, running back, you you think you're good. Even with Roshan Johnson being probably out for a few games, Brooks behind him, Jaden Blue behind that, Keelan Robinson as well. I'm pretty happy with that position. I think that position, huge kudos to Sark on that, because we you went from having to have Roshan Johnson be your running back to all of a sudden having insane depth there. I don't know how much credit I give Sark for the running back room. I mean, he inherited Bijan. Tom Herman should have ran true. him more, you know what I'm saying? But um, and Roshan again wasn't a Sark development either. Um, you know, kudos for adding Keaton Robinson. Keaton Robinson's a gadget guy. You know, we'll see him get three to four touch. I don't think his role is going to be much bigger than it was last year. Probably if I'm not. being honest with you, but um, no, I agree with you. We're we're not nobody's concerned about the running back room. Uh, the tight end room is as talented. Um, as it's been in forever. Yeah, outside of, you know, going back to the mid-2000s when you had David Thomas, Bo Scaife. I think Jermichael Finley was a baby in there. You know, it hadn't been better than that. that that's, a, that's a hell of a group. And those guys are going to have to play. You're probably going to see more tight end sets now when they are being out than the Texas probably wanted to, to do. But um, Jatavian Sanders is the real deal. Um, Gunnar Helm has been a very pleasant surprise. He is also the real deal. And almost to the point where, you know what, Jaleel Billingsley looks like he may have made a mistake transferring to Texas because um, they seem pretty set there with those guys. Um, as far as the cornerbacks go, the last position you mentioned, I'm not as high on those guys as you are. I'm, I'm, I'm in wait and see mode there. Um, matter of fact, the defense in general, um, who would I not be con- least concerned about? I'm, I mean, last year we thought the defense was going to be off the chain, right? <laughs> and they and they, they stunk it up. How much was that um, adjusting the – Kwiatkowski system, how much was that, you know, guys maybe playing out of position, maybe not being in the best positions to have success? I don't know, but I, I will say I'm of the opinion that um I'm not high on Andre Coburn going into this season. Um I like Devondre Sweat, but he seems to always get banged up. I would love to see Byron Murphy moved off of the nose to the more to a three technique position where he can, you know, try to penetrate. I would love to see Alfred Collins get some run inside on obvious passing downs. Um, I would love to see Texas, you know, not overexpose a guy like Ovia Gufo in the run game. But I mean, I don't they you still don't have those horses yet to be able to do that. That's why personally, I'm I'm still in wait and see mode on the defense. You know, we say we joke about, hey, they can't be any worse. But, you know, they probably <laughs> they can be as bad. And if they are as bad, you already know Sark's coming off a five and seven season. He's going to have to cover his butt somehow. And that's going to be what by firing Kwiatkowski, right? 
And that probably mm-hmm. means Gary Patterson becomes your DC midseason. And now we're looking at guys learning another system again. So you're on a merry-go-round. But um, no, running back, I'm excited about. Tight end, I'm excited about. They're talented at offensive line, but they're young. You know there's going to be problems. Um, I'm, I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I, I only feel good right now about running back and tight end. I'm, I'm, but, you know, I, I get the optimism from, from others and other stuff for sure. I've, I've been hearing great things about Deshaun Jameson that you didn't hear about last year. It sort of sounds like the Devin Duvernay turnaround that happened late on in his career, just very, very late for Deshaun Jameson. Something, something's clicked. And Ryan Watts seems to be coming into the system and performing pretty, pretty darn well. And behind that, Jalen Gilbo, he can play. He's a guy who knows how to play, and there's been good, good reports coming out about him. I'm feeling decently optimistic about what you have at the cornerback position. It's just, and also at the star position. I mean, Jade Barron and B.J. Allen there. I'm happy there. I'm happy with that. It is a little bit more question mark than running back and tight end, of course. But we're talking about not as concerned. I'd add cornerback in there. Well, one thing to remember with Deshaun Jameson, I don't know, you know, you all listen to this right now. I don't know how if y'all remember. Deshaun Jameson's second choice was TCU. Gary Patterson, who's helping with the secondary, wanted Deshaun Jameson badly, right? And TCU's done a hell of a job with their defensive backs over the past decade or so as far as identifying and developing. So I wonder how much of a role plays in that. But also, if you remember Jalen Gilbo, who you mentioned, decommitted from Texas and committed to TCU and Gary Patterson last cycle. And now they're both getting coached by him. So I'm, I'm with you there. We could definitely, you know, possibly see a jump there, especially with Jamison being a fifth-year guy. He's a super senior. Okay, the question's never been in talent. I mean, the talent's never been in question, but – he did regress last season. So if he's looking good, he's doing what he's supposed to do. If he can handle, if he can play like we expect that guy to play, then that that obviously helps the defense out a lot. Um, Ryan Watts, I mean, when was the last time Texas had a cornerback a, a that size? You know, I um even with Watts. Wouldn't that though, be who was who was across uh, Davis across from uh yeah Devonte Davis Devonte Davis yeah and you know what I mean they're probably kind of a similar. If if Ryan Watts can be Devontae Davis, I think that again you you see an upgrade at the cornerback position. Mm-hmm. Um with the safeties, uh I'm not a Jaron Thompson fan. If I had a pick for breakout player for this season, it would be Anthony Cook. Um he's a guy that throughout he's a former five star cornerback recruit. He's a guy that he's in year he's going in year five now as well. He's a super singer this year. Okay. He no. was in that class with oh, yeah, yeah, Jameson. Yeah, he would be yes. Okay. I was thinking I was thinking um, Jaron Thompson, yes. Anthony Cook would it. be a, a super senior. I think maybe a fifth or sixth year senior, yes. So so one thing that really surprised me about him early on in his career, we've seen it. Anthony Cook is physical, right? He's not afraid to tackle. He's a guy that's two hundred pounds. He has played every position in the Texas secondary throughout his career. Um, and I think he fits best as a guy that's more of your kind of your box safety there. And um I think Anthony Cook if he has the year I'm expecting, with his positional versatility, I don't think he can play cornerback at the NFL level, but he still has it on tape, right? And if he can run, you know, in the four high four five range, Anthony Cook's gonna get drafted next season. But he's my pick for breakout player on this defense. Um, what else did you mention, Will? Did you talk about the defensive ends? Is that what you said? Uh, Baron Sorrell. No, I mean I haven't. I, yeah, defense. Oh. Well, I was talking about what are you looking for improvements in? What are you gonna need to look for improvements in? And I think linebacker is one of them. If we're gonna talk about surprise players coming out of camp. Diamante Tucker Dorsey is one of the guys, and that kind of goes into one of our bigger questions coming into the camp, which is linebacker. Linebacker is a huge question coming into the camp. You have last year, it was really, what was it, Brockermeyer and 
over show where you're two guys. With all due respect to Luke Brockermeyer, should never, ever be starting at a place like the University of Texas. No. Never. Not at never. all. Never. And yeah. an showed, Will, that he doesn't really have the instincts to be playing, you know what I'm saying, a linebacker well, spot. And, and we've heard. And, and here's my here's my thoughts on that is mm-hmm. I think Overshown was asked to do a lot last year in this defense. A lot. And I think having a guy like Jalen Ford and Diamante Tucker Dorsey mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to help relieve some of the load off of Overshown is going to allow them to not only use Overshown where he's best utilized, but allow him to flourish on the field in other roles as well. I think it's going to be the Malik Jefferson impact that you saw when they got Gary Johnson in. When they got Gary Johnson in to yeah, relieve what Malik Jefferson had, you know, had to deal with, you know, he was no longer dealing with Anthony Wheeler. He was dealing with a guy who could take some of the roles off of him and really that's why he was the best Malik Jefferson we had seen his junior year since his freshman year when he was asked to just do a few things. Yep. Right. So that's what I'm expecting from DeMarvian Overshone this season. That's why I think the emergence of Diamante Tucker Dorsey, even though you missed on O'Shawn Mathis, he was sort of the, the backup plan for him. Right. Right. You got him, Diamante uh, Tucker Dorsey, which I mean, I'd still rather have O'Shawn Mathis. His emergence and the fact that I keep on seeing his name in, in every, you know, pay sites reports about how well he's doing, that's a great sign for your defense and your linebacker in general. But again, going back going back down, you were talking about the defensive end, another big question mark coming into this fall camp. What are your biggest questions about there, and what are you expecting to see out of fall camp? You want to get out of it healthy. You want to get out of it healthy. It's hard to you know pay a lot of attention to any reports. You, just, you want to get out of it healthy. Diamante Tucker-Dorsey, who you mentioned, he's a smaller guy. He's an undersized guy, but he's he's – been productive right everywhere he's been um as far as reports i'm just i'm not i'm not paying a lot of attention to it you know get guys healthy okay get guys to the games on saturdays and then we'll see what is what you know what is what but um the biggest thing obviously is this is one everybody's looking at is the quarterback right that's that's what i'm most concerned about that's the, that's what i'm most worried about um as far as a guy like i'm not even gonna go into a spiel about about you know who, who they choose right but um no, you know, go. Who, no, no. This, this is no, the time I'm to talk. To, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not a Hudson Carr fan. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at okay. that. Um, with the offensive line. Um, well, from, here, from, let me from, let from, me talk about the quarterback. Go man. ahead. Yeah, you you take because it because I'm not. I don't want to bash him off for the next I, five You minutes. know, well, I know that Quinn Ewers is what everybody wants to see and expects to see, and what I ultimately believe will happen. I think I've already talked about this, maybe two or three shows ago. I'm expecting Hudson Card to give him more of a run for the money just because Hudson Card gives you a higher floor than Quinn Ewers does. Quinn Ewers gives you a crazy high ceiling, and Hudson Card gives you a a much higher floor than Quinn Ewers just because Quinn Ewers is going to be the classic classic young, talented quarterback, and he's going to make the plays that make you go, what? And the plays that are going to make you go, Wow. I have to interrupt. Hudson Card gives you a higher floor based on what that we saw last season. The fact that he is the fact that he's older, the fact that he's seen game time already. He Hudson pissed Card, all over himself last season. All over himself. Those white pants were stained yellow. Okay? <laughs> you either have it or you don't. He does not have it. Uh, and here's the thing is 
I think you should give quarterbacks more time. I really do. I think that Texas has been quick to shove quarterbacks to the side. I think you give a quarterback an entire season to figure it out, then you're you're in a good spot. I you know, Sam Ellinger looked like trash his first season out there. Looked like trash. But after he was able to slow down the game for himself in his second year and he was asked to do less and he was he was able to see more. You saw less of these throws that he's like, I could have made this in high school and tried to fit a ball in between three guys and more plays that, yes, I know at this space, I know at this pace of the game, I know the speed of the game, I can do this, this, and this. And he went from having, what was it, 17 interceptions to one. It was night and day letting a guy Sam, grow. But on that, but Sam Ellinger, even dating back to high school, always showed some of that it factor, right? Some of that leadership, natural ability. Hudson Carr has never shown that. He's never shown that it factor. He ever. took Lake Travis to the to the They got their butts kicked every time. Every single time. And he's the converted wide receiver. I, he's a converted wide receiver just like Jaquindon Jackson was. That continues to get ignored too when talking about Hudson Carr. He's not experienced at the position. He's not as experienced or as polished as folks thought he was coming in. And I, I don't understand how that's continued to get overlooked this whole time. Personally, fine. It, it might be from not as much tape on him. But I think having more time in this offense, the fact that he is older, has seen the game, seen actual game play, gives you a higher floor than than Quinn Ewers. Sure, if you want to throw Quinn Ewers into Alabama and say sink or swim with an offensive line that consists of two true freshmen, a true sophomore, and two redshirt sophomores, be my guest. But I think a guy who is going to be you know, has already seen the game, has already played at this pace, is going to be a better better bet when it comes to do you want a higher floor. Now, if you want a guy who's going to be able to fit a ball in between three players every now and then, Quinn Ewers is your guy. If you want a guy who in, in the is in the future is going to be more likely to lead you to a national championship, then you, Quinn Ewers is your guy. But at the same time, he's an 18-year-old. Colt McCoy saw his first action when he was 20. With the same, when we talked about the young O line that's going to have issues, right? I just, I think Carr's going to turn the ball over just like, just like a young quarterback would. Quinn like is a, I think Quinn Ewers is a true freshman. I, I would have rather seen. I wish he was. He would have come here last year so he could have been under Steve Sarkeesian and been a sure. red shirt freshman instead of a true sophomore. When Vince Young saw his first real reps, he was a red shirt. He was a red shirt sophomore. When Colt McCoy saw his, he was a redshirt sophomore. That's what I would wanted for Quinn Ewers. I would have rather him have some time and the ability to learn before he goes out there. I guess we're not going to get that, but I still think I think a guy who has been there for a longer than a summer is a better bet to understand the the offense and be a higher floor because of that. I got you. Here's a nugget. So I had a source tell me earlier in the week or last week that the job is yours to lose. And, mm-hmm. and that was based on this is coming from them. They're, they're at practice, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'm not, you know, trying not to, you know, be too revealing, but I said Sark runs different plays when yours is in. Than he does with Card, so they do more things when Ewers in the game than they do than he does with Card, and I think that 
tidbit right there, you know, for your listeners. I think that kind of tells you where the head coach would like to go with it. But at the same time, like you said, Ewers has to go take it. And by all accounts, you know, he hasn't necessarily done that. Mm-hmm. But um, there are different playbooks for the quarterbacks. And I think that I think I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, the same case last year with Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. How? Uh, the court, the, he obviously wanted to go Hudson Card from the very beginning, right? He knew Hudson Card. He thought Hudson Card was his guy. He was game planning for him. But and what, and what happened? ultimately it was Casey Thompson who gave you a higher floor because of his already playing. He's been there for forever. So, But isn't that doesn't that kind of play into it? He's already given Card a chance before, right? He already He already was fooled once. You see what I'm saying? You see why? Just naturally human nature, you would probably lean towards the other guy because I already gave this guy a shot. You see what I'm saying? Just playing True. devil's advocate there, but but no, I get it. We'll see. We'll know in a week, right? Honestly, <laughs> you know what? It probably doesn't matter because of the offensive line. Uh, having lost Junior Angulao this week again to another ACL, I believe I heard he got pan- a guy got pancaked onto his knee uh, in the very first plays of the scrimmage. The classic roll up. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate. You, it's that's hard to avoid, other than just wrapping the entire offensive line in bubble tape. You know but, what? Uh, you know, I, with Angelau, with him missing this year, he's a he was a senior this year as well. Mm-hmm. Does he come back to Texas? Because I assume he's going to graduate, and then you've got these guys behind them. You see what I'm saying? He might have played yeah, his last was, game. Who was it last year? Who came back? Uh, Curtis um, Stetter. Yeah, it would be a Derek Kerstetter type move if he comes back, which, but, you know, you could see But coming off happening. the injury, would he even play with Hudson, with Hayden Connor, with Devon Campbell? See what I'm saying? Like, it, it might be greener greener grass somewhere else. You see what I'm saying? We might True. have seen the yeah. last of Junior Angelau at Texas. Yeah. And, um, but if he is out for the season, I did talk about it. You, you're probably starting, you know, Andrich Karich. He was a redshirt sophomore. At what position? Go in order for us. At right tackle. Okay. You have at right guard, my guess is uh, Cole Hudson okay. at right ta- at right guard. Oh, yeah, and Cole Hudson being a true freshman. Jake Majors at center, who's a redshirt sophomore. Mm-hmm. Left guard is then probably going to be Hayden Connor, mm-hmm. a true sophomore. Mm-hmm. And then your left tackle is either Christian Jones, Andres Karich, or... It's gonna be, it's gonna uh, probably, be Kelvin it's gonna probably be Kelvin, Kelvin Banks. Banks. It's gonna be Kelvin Banks. It's gonna, it's yeah, gonna so be the let me let me go it's ahead and re- re- say that your right tackle is probably Andres Carriage is a redshirt sophomore, or Christian Jones is a redshirt senior. Yes, more likely Andres Carriage, and then your left tackle is Kelvin Banks, a true freshman. So again, true freshman, sophomore, redshirt sophomore, true freshman, mm-hmm. redshirt sophomore. Mm-hmm. That is not. That is not a recipe for success. And that they, is remember, not remember a recipe they, for success. They, they show didn't even look at the portal for an offensive lineman. It is, and that is the most frustrating part about all of this. A second year where you don't even look in the portal for offensive line help. And now you are down your most tenured offensive lineman. Kyle Flood really needs to come through this year. Because that is a huge mistake, in my opinion. Yes, next it's everything's pointing to 2023 being the year, and the fact that he got such a huge class for this. You know, the second team offensive line looks crazy good in all reports. But again, 
the fact that he didn't go into the grad transfer portal is another huge mistake two years in a row. Not even just the grad transfer, the transfer portal in general. Because there are options. There were options. Now you're going to have to really rely on a very young offensive line coming into the season. Darius, how do you think that's going to go? Uh, I think there are going to be growing pains, obviously, but at the same time. I'm really excited about the group. Um, Cole Hudson is a true freshman, but Cole Hudson did get to go through through spring practices. And, um, hey, we talked about this office. Cole Hudson is an extremely large human being, just like mm-hmm. these other guys. And he comes from a high school system at Frisco that still runs the freaking option. They're all about getting downhill and run blocking. I think he's going to be just fine with that. Um, sticking him on the side next to Andres Carriage, next to, next to Majors, you, you put you put him around guys that are a little that are more experienced. I've seen live bullets. Um, I think he'll be if he can hold up okay in the passing game as far as picking up the stunts and things like that. Cole Hudson's gonna be fine. Um, Hayden Connor, you know, I'm a big fan of. I think Hayden Connor's. A, I think he's a he's a future NFL offensive lineman. I this, really do. This podcast is Hayden Connor fan number one. Right oh yeah, here. no, we fool with Hayden Connor big time, and of course, Kelvin Banks is Kelvin Banks is a franchise left tackle. Has all the looks of Texas ain't had a guy look like that in a long time at that position. Um, and then mm-hmm. let's not forget, even though he is a freshman, Devon Campbell is the meanest offensive lineman in the program. He is the most powerful offensive lineman in the program. That includes Cam Williams. And he is the most athletic big man in the program. So at some point, he's going to get on the field as well. Texas has a good problem on their hands. Um, but, no, there are, there are undoubtedly going to be pains. And I, I, don't, I don't think the pains are going to be so much them getting blown off the ball. It's going to be having my eyes in the right place when defenses start playing those games. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the issue I'm I'm having. I'm sorry. When I say games, and, I mean the twist and the stunts and the things like that. When I say games, not literally yeah. football games. Yeah, bad. when they when they start throwing things to draw their eyes and things that they haven't seen at the level that they just came from, that's where the issues are going to come. And especially having a true freshman quarterback, or really really a true freshman. I guess he's a redshirt freshman quarterback. Having a true freshman quarterback back there, having such a young offensive line. And also, probably you're going to be starting some true freshman wide receivers. All of this means, with all the talent that is so young, their play is going to get you a lot of exclamation marks from the fans, but also a lot of question marks. It's a given. Um, It's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. But um, at the same time, I'd rather take those lumps with those guys because a year from now, (laughs) you you would think Texas is going to be pretty damn good up front, man. And they're going to get better as the season goes along. You know, I don't don't think Mm -hmm. it's – I'm I'm terrified of what that Alabama game is going to look like up front, but the the hope is that by the time you get to, you know, week six, week seven, that those guys start to have it really figured out, man. And if they do, um, again, things are going to go better than I think I may right now currently be expecting. Right. Let me see. When did Savion Red commit to Texas? Uh, Savion committed way back in uh, – that was – let's see. I thought he was one of the last guys to commit. He was. He committed December uh, – right before the uh, first signing day, December 15th. They took him from uh, SMU, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I was talking about how Texas is going to be young and green on quarterback and offensive line. Aside from Xavier Worthy and aside from Jordan Whittington, which, again, proved to me that Jordan Whittington is going to last the season before I believe it. Again, same thing with Troy Marier. Proved to me those two guys are going to stay – and be healthy for the entire season before I believe it. So really, all I'm all I'm expecting is Xavier Worthy to make the season. You're going to be running some real young guys in there. That includes Savion Red. That includes 
Brennan Thompson, and probably Tariq Milton. He's a redshirt senior, but Casey Kane potentially is going to be in there. Those are the guys who I'm expecting to try to back up the loss of Isaiah Nayor and potentially Jordan Whittington if he goes down. Um, Darius, how do you feel about that? My initial thought is, I mean, Tyreek Milton is the most experienced receiver on the roster. He did play inside and outside at Iowa State, um, playing primarily actually more inside the last few years. But my initial thought was that he could bump outside. And then you have a lineup that that consists of Worthy, Whittington, and, um, and Milton. And my, my guess will be red is the one backing up Whittington out there because I don't think it's I don't think it's realistic for us um, to expect O'Mary to to be starting and playing fifty snaps out wide. You know, coming off back to back off seasons of of having injuries, major injuries, one on the knee, one on the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Um. So my initial thought is Milton is that guy that goes out wide. Um. I liked Casey Kane a lot coming out. Um. I don't think he's ready right now to be a guy that that, that can play 50, 60 snaps out there as well. Um, what we're going to end up doing, we talked about how how loaded that that tight end room is. I think Texas and Sark is going to end up having to play more two tight end sets than they were maybe initially planning to. But um, I, there there is no glaring, clear, you know, beeping light over an answer for the replacement for Nayor. Um, but my initial guess would be that Milton is actually the guy that bumps outside, and um, we kind of play that by committee. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot smaller wide receiver room than Texas fans have seen over the past years, especially with Tom Herman. Uh, you're going to be seeing guys 5'10", 5'8", 5'11", out on the outside, which is going to be interesting to see. You know, It's it's definitely a new – it's it's like having Marvin Mims out there. Marvin Mims can play inside-outside, and the fact that he was short was the reason that Tom Herman didn't go after him. Now you can see – now Texas fans can see – with a toe, why that's important to just have a guy who can go out there and make plays. That's what you've seen reportedly from Savion Red. That's what you've seen reportedly from Brennan Thompson. And I'm looking forward to seeing that in live action. Troy Amire, Amiri, as you've seen that, you've heard about that in practice. Again, I want to see it in a live situation, but you have some depth there right now. You know, knock on wood, a lot more depth than you had last year. True? You you would you would think so. You would think so. I just the thing about all those guys, um, Milton, uh, Whittington, um, Red, Thompson, they're all fast. Casey Kane. Kane is speed. You got speed out there. And at the end of the day, size, in my opinion, at wide receiver is the most overrated thing about receivers there is. Okay, if you can play receiver, you know how to get open, you know how to switch up your cadence, things like that. That's that's what's most important. And if you're on rhythm, if you're in rhythm on, on time, you have a relationship with the quarterback. That's what's most important. But um, no, Worthy is going to see you know those brackets and double teams that we were thinking he wasn't going to have to see this year. Um, Jordan Winters is going to do his thing in the slot. It's all about that guy, that that third guy stepping up. We just now don't have a clear answer on that. But um, I do think Texas is in a they're they, they're in a better position than they were last year. With all due respect to um to uh to Mookie Dixon to Mookie Dixon and. And yeah, and Josh Moore and things like that. Um, Marcus Washington, you know, with all due respect, I think they're in a better position this year than they were last year, just from a talent standpoint. 100%. Last two, well, there's two more things, two more groups that I think uh, you have questions around safety. And, well, I guess, did we talk about defensive line? You kind of went off on it when we talked about defensive end, but kicker. 
I guess we can go into defensive line real fast because I think that's another big question mark is how do we deal with the defensive line? Keandre Colburn has kind of really been a, a huge miss, I think, to his potential since he's gotten here. Mora Ojo- Ojimo, though, and Devondre Sweat have really stepped up. The two red, a redshirt, redshirt senior and a true senior. And Byron Murphy behind them. Vernon Broughton, who I've heard has done better this year, is actually doing okay. It, it's a little bit more uh, up and down with him, but it's at least you have the ups. And Jure Bledsoe has really come out of his, you know, has really come out and performed well. So I think you have depth there. I'm interested to see how they put it together. And then on the defensive defensive end, Alfred Collins reportedly going down. We'll see what happens. We'll see, you know, again, we'll get a report today, Monday after practice and what, what's going on there. But Baron Sorrell uh, and Ovia Gufo, Justice Finkley, I think you have depth there. It's, it's whether or not they can be used correctly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you're higher on the defensive end group than I am. I'm fine with Keandre Coburn not seeing much playing time at all. I'm fine with Moro Ojomo. With, I mean, with all due respect, he's been on the field now playing a lot for the last two seasons. He's never really done anything. I'm fine with Moro Ojomo seeing fewer snaps. I like Tavondre Sweat. I think he's disrupt, disruptive, but Tavondre Sweat is a guy every season. Um, by the third game, he's got some type of some type of nagging injury, and he tails off by the midseason to the end of the season. Um, outside of Byron Murphy, where where are the dogs at up front? You know, I'm not counting on a true freshman, Justice Finkley, Jamon Tap to be guys that come in and just rock things. I don't think that's fair to expect from them. Um, Baron Sorrell, no. Baron Sorrell surprised in soft snaps as a true freshman last season. Um, I'm in wait and see mode on Sorrell. I'm not in love with him. And with a Gufo, I think he gets overexposed, you know, having to be out there on first and second down. He's he's a guy that you would primarily want to have out there on passing downs to use his athleticism, his versatility, because he can get out to the flats, you know what I'm saying? He can do some things, but um, he can be a liability at a time in the run game, and I think the same thing can be said for Sorrell. Um, just with this, you know, unique defensive style that, that Kukowski runs, I just – I still don't know that Texas has the personnel – up front on the edge to truly, you know, be as successful as we need them to be for the team to take that next step. So I'm, I'm not yet optimistic about it. I'm not, but um, I'm not optimistic, but I'm a little bit, I'm a little higher than they were last year. Well, no, with Jacoby Jones, not there. I'm, it's going to be difficult, but yeah. No, Ray Ray Thornton is gone. Thankfully, you know, no more Ray Thornton, no more Luke Brockermeyer, but, um, I'm in wait-and-see mode. Again, I'm not trying to be funny, y'all, but I, I, the, it, the, it cannot be any worse than it was last year. It can't. It's not possible. So so that in itself, would, uh, I would hope it's not possible. That in itself, though, should be should really help out every other position on that defense this season. Yeah. Last question on the defense is the safety position. I think it's a smaller question mark than the other positions we've talked about, linebacker and defensive line. The f- question, I guess – of the safety room is the free safety, Jaron Thompson. Can Jaron Thompson work out? I know it was his first real playing time last season, and potentially he figures it out, but we haven't really heard that so far. I think you would want to hear that in practice reports that, hey, how's Jaron Thompson? You want to you want to ask the question, how's Jaron Thompson doing every single time? Because if you can get your free safety down, I think, you know, your your boundary safety and, and Anthony Cook, your guy who's strong side, that's going to be good. 
right? I think he's going to be good. I think Keaton Crawford's going to be okay. J.D. Coffey out there as a sophomore is going to be okay, but you really want Jaron Thompson to figure it out. If he can't figure it out, then I think your safety room is in a pretty good position. But what do you think? Uh, I think I said at the start, I'm, I'm not a Jaron Thompson fan. Um, I, I think in a place like University of Texas, he's a guy. Jaron Thompson is a great program guy. He's a great, you know, third safety to fill in for, you know, 10 to 15 snaps a game, play special teams. He's a guy that contributes. I think he's overexposed being a guy that's starting playing 60 snaps on your defense. Um, I think we saw that last season. He just he doesn't have the athleticism to 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 make those plays that you need that guy at that position to make, in my opinion. Um, they moved Keaton Crawford to that position. Keaton Crawford is a cornerback. Keaton Crawford is a big-time athlete, but Keaton Crawford is a guy that needs reps because he he's never played safety before, even though he's a – I think he's a football player Jesse, but um, my hopes would be that Keaton Crawford can win that job, but I think it's going to be something that happens during the course of the season. From all accounts, it's going to be Jaron Thompson that starts the season out there, and maybe he proves me wrong, right? Maybe he proves me wrong. He definitely has a nose for the football as far as when the ball's in the air off tip balls, being in the right place at the right time, but um, I, I, I have questions about that, that the safety position. I, like I said, I'm a fan of Anthony Cook. I think he's in the right spot finally for the first time in his career at Texas. But I'm not high on Texas as secondary right now, and I, I would love to be proven wrong, Will. I would love to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just saying I'm high on them because they can't, you know, this this seems like it's better than last year, right? I think this is a step up from Brennan Schooler, is my opinion. Yeah, but, I mean, who was the other cornerback last season? Josh Thompson. So, I mean, Ryan Watts, I just, I, I don't own paper. I don't see the clear upgrades in the secondary. And maybe Gary Patterson's just that good, right? Um, you know, hopefully Blake Gideon's just that good. I'm not betting on that, but you know, maybe, maybe they're just that good and those guys are gonna take a huge jump. But I'm in wait and see mode. I I, I am of the opinion that we're gonna be seeing some more fast break football this season. That's how Texas is gonna have to win games. Texas is gonna have to win football games forty nine to forty five, and that's just not a recipe for sustained success. Mm-mm. Especially again with such a young and green offensive line and quarterback right you know you're probably you're probably not going to get 45 a game but i think really the biggest question mark of all the question marks is your kicker because that is points i think the fact that cameron dicker is not there he wasn't a great kicker in fact he was a better punter but at least you knew what you had there now it's a big question between Burt Auburn and Will Stone, the true freshman versus a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. That's going to lose you a game or win you a game if you get the right guy in there. I don't think I've read anything about any anything on that. I think you really can't get anything from practice. It's a game time situation that you have to it's which is almost impossible to replicate in practice. That's a huge question mark coming into the season. Who is your kicker? How reliable is your kicker? How reliable is your punter? Right? Can you rely on Isaac Pearson? Yeah, I, I mean, I heard. I mean, I've heard good things about Pearson. I have not heard anything about the kickers. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't even. I forgot all about the the kicking situation. I just. I feel like Cameron Dicker wasn't quite as great as you know. I know he made that. No, kick. everybody. Everybody has a heightened <laughs> sense of Cameron Dicker because of what he did against Oklahoma his made, freshman year. I know he made that kick against OU's freshman. Cameron Dicker wasn't that wasn't that consistent. Okay. No. So there is there is a chance that you see an upgrade at the kicking position if those guys are any good. But um, I hadn't thought about that at all because um, but but no, special teams are gonna be gonna play a major. Texas is gonna have they're gonna have to have all hands on deck. They're gonna have to have contributions. 
um, from that third phase of the game, both in the return game and in the kicking game, you know, two, two win, seven, eight, nine games this season. So, no, it's a yeah. major part of it. I'm glad you brought it up because I, I haven't, but, I mean, I, but Jeff I haven't heard Banks, anything about the kickers. Jeff Banks has proven himself to be a great special teams coach. So, at least you have that going for you. Has he I proven think, to be a great special teams coach at Texas? Yes. Okay. I, I think he last year was a great example of that. I mean, you hadn't had what you had under Tom Herman and, and Charlie Strong, which is just gaping holes in your kick return, your punt return games. Right? Well, I guess under Tom Herman, you had a great punt return, uh, a, a great punt protection game because you had Michael Dixon and Josh Thompson basically catching his punts. But at least you're not having what he had Charlie Strong, which was just you might return a punt, but you're going to get a punt returned on you. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Yeah. But, so yeah. I think he has proven to be at least very capable of what he does. So. That's something you can maybe hang your hat on is, hey, at least we have Jeff Banks. We'll but see. He's going to have to earn his money. That's true. I think I think that kind of covers everything and all the questions we have about fall camp. So let's look beyond this season and going just, just going forward into the land of recruiting. And since the – what was it? The, the rush of recruits to follow Arch Manning – You've had yeah, two guys, summer, the, two the big names run. that landed for Longhorns. You had Darion Golette and Cedric Baxter. Another said B in the program, another running back. Tell me about those two guys and what they mean for, for Texas. Uh, Darion Golette, if I'm, I would assume, is going to be coming to Texas to play linebacker. Um, Golette's a big time athlete, um, three sport guy. Um, from a small school uh, in Marlin, Texas, I believe he's now at Teague. Um, his dad is a coach, and dad got a got a got a promotion at um you know across town at Teague. But um, Galette's a guy. Whenever you see a linebacker anchoring the four by one, four by two relays, or you see a linebacker, um, there's videos of Galette catching alley oops, throwing him down during games. He's a heck of an athlete, okay. But the only issue there is he did suffer a a knee injury, and he's going to miss his senior season. And there's a chance, you know, even if he enrolls early at Texas, he'll be at Texas, which is great, but he's not going to go through the spring. So he's going to have a re a rehabilitation and, and acclimation period, you know, when he gets to campus. And I think that really dampens the excitement about him because he's probably not going to be ready to contribute as a freshman. And he's going to have a learning curve anyway, you know, being a three-sport guy, having never gone through an offseason, um, having, you know, it's going to be a major jump in competition, you know, heading to what I believe – this is the last season of the Big 12 from everything I've heard. That's another conversation from another time. But jumping up from, you know, 3A Texas balls, you know, to, to, to power five football, that's a big curve in itself. So, Gillette, long run, Gillette's a guy that could end up being a, a multi-year starter, and, and he has he has all-conference upside if everything clicks um, at that linebacker slash edge rushing position. Um, but um, he's, a, he's a good pickup, and Texas needed him, especially having missed on guys like uh, – like a like local guy, Colton Vasic, you know, having missed on on some of these other guys. So Gillette was a must get, and, and they got him, you know. So kudos to them for that. He reminds me sort of a Prince Dorba, a very very athletic defensive end linebacker type. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a that's not a bad comparison as far as as yeah. He's he's a hybrid kind of guy. I think he's got he's got a little more sand in his pants. Um, coming in and then, 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 um, then Dorba does. Oh yeah, no, he's a big, he's a bigger Prince Dorba. Okay, yeah, I, but he I, reminds I me of Prince I don't, Dorba I don't in terms of an athletic guy, sort of the same, 
build and play style. I don't disagree with that. Hopefully he does better quicker. But the fact is that he's going to need to come in here and he's going to need to basically get up to speed both in the weight room and on the field. He's a good size guy. It's just the, the, the knee injury really, really, it really kills the excitement for me because I know that's going right. to be a long road, long process. Mm-hmm. Cedric Baxter, though. Let's go ahead and get into some really, really exciting things. Cedric Baxter is the best running back in the nation. True or false? Uh, it's, it's subjective, but uh, you watch his tape. There are some traits on there that I think are, are pretty dang obvious. Um, I'm excited about him, for sure. So what exactly – so what, what makes Cedric Baxter would – you, would you rather have him or Reuben Owens? Uh, would I rather have him or Reuben Owens? I think Baxter is less likely to bail on you if he doesn't get his way than Owens was. Truth be told, Texas got tired of kind of messing around with Owens. And when they, you know, Baxter wasn't, when the name first started coming up, he wasn't one I really took serious, you know, until he got to campus because, you know, he's rumored to be a guy that's leaning heavily towards the home state teams, Miami, Florida, and Alabama was on him strong. And then he came to Texas, and Texas knocked it out of the park. Deshard Choice, you know, we talked about him at the beginning. Deshard Choice knocked it out of the park. Baxter's a guy, he's a converted uh, safety. He's a guy that's played both ways. Most of his career was played wide receiver. Last season was his first season focusing primarily at running back. And, you know, he had a breakout season. was all state, 1,800 yards at the at the highest classification in the state of Florida. Um, he's six foot one, so he's a taller back. He's already 210 pounds. I think he has the frame to hold 225, 230 with no problem. Um, Baxter's a guy that can stick his foot in the ground. He can hit the home run, Okay. He's a guy that's got swivel hips. He's a big-time athlete at that running back position. Uh, just a little bit different look than you've seen at Texas. You know, he's a tall, rangy guy, runs a little bit high. But um, he could be a guy with, you know, with Bijan, you know, assumingly, you know, pretty much assuredly, I should say, heading to the league after this year. And with Roshan, you know, probably heading to the NFL after this year. There is a window there for him to come in. And I don't know if he necessarily wins the starting position, but he's a guy that's going to play in that chair as a true freshman. I don't think there's any question about that. He's a big-time athlete. Huge, huge pickup for the program. I mean, you have Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue. I love Jonathan Brooks. Oh, Jonathan Brooks is awesome. What a, what a pickup by Texas there as a redshirt freshman. I mean, that was a great find by this coaching staff. Shout out to Stan Drayton. Yeah, Stan Drayton. <laughs> but Jaden Blue as well. I mean, uh, from all reports, that kid is killing it so far. So, again, this, you already talked about the running room. is not a big question mark here, but, I mean – Keelan Robinson will be here. Jonathan Brooks will be here. Jaden Blue will be here. Cedric Baxter will be here. That's a that's a good mix of dudes you have. Maybe not the same one-two punch of B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson. You maybe might lose a you might lose a probably you're losing a step there because I mean you can't really replace B. John Robinson, but still, it's a, that's a good Cooper guy. And stepping into those guys stepping into what should be a really good situation next year with the offensive line, a year of seasoning. Um, with the quarterback mm-hmm. of your seasoning, Worthy's going to be back. The tight ends, everybody's going to be back next year. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good spot. It's a good spot to be. Now let's talk about the not so fun stuff. Texas losing out on Anthony Hill and Colton Vasek. Anthony Hill, a surprising out of nowhere commitment to A and M. At least for me. Well, maybe nah. maybe you're more tight. You're probably tight you, you, more. You gotta remember when he set up those officials. Everybody had an official set up. Except, oh, I'm going to save my official for A&M to, to, until the season. You see what I'm saying? But I'm going to show mm-hmm. up at the end of the summer. So, if y'all remember, I mean, everybody knows the whole Nick Saban deal, right, with the Aggies. And he told, you know, he pretty much called them out nationally about being cheaters, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, 
and them had to lay low. They've had to lay had to lay low for a few months. Okay, and they decided um, July. All right, enough is enough. So Hill started trending Texas. Um, you know, had his final two. He shows up at the end of the summer for his unofficial visit to A and M, and you know they asked, you know, what, what do we got to do to seal the deal, you know, and um and they sealed it. So congratulations to them. Um, just from a pure football standpoint, I mean, if you look at the freaking defensive line class they brought in last season, I mean, it's it's not really comparable, you know. And and after- it's the same <laughs> thing as Cedric Baxter going to Texas with the off the line class we brought in, except for their defensive line class is a lot better in terms of star power. Yeah, that's a that's a good comparison. But you remember they missed out on Harold Perkins, so they had a uh, given some baseball terms. They had some slot money left over to go over slot to make sure they locked up this linebacker. And um, you know, kudos. So to did them. Texas. Texas got a five-star quarterback for basically for free because you, you the Manning family isn't looking for money here. Uh-huh. So if we're gonna start, you know, I'm gonna basically name some numbers here. Reportedly, so alleged numbers. Alleged numbers is what I'm gonna say. Alleged numbers here. For who? A and M offered for who? Anthony Hill, one point five, whereas Texas only offered somewhere between seven and eight hundred eight hundred thousand. They offered $1.5 million. The fact that Texas can't pony up that money is just mind-blowing to me. Well, they don't. At, at the end of the day, yes, Texas A&M has the defensive line as well, but a part of it was the fact that A&M was willing to do what needs to be done to win. I, I, I don't have any. I can't confirm anything as far as, you know, the NIL side of things. Um, allegedly, allegedly. I just it, that yeah, it, it wouldn't make sense for me to be outbid. Doesn't make sense. Wouldn't make sense at all. I think it comes back to the football side of things. Is I'm just a clear cut missing piece for that defense, and those guys mm-hmm. in front of me are going to keep my jersey clean my entire career. I'm going to get to run and be a missile and, and 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 do whatever I want. Meanwhile, at Texas, you saw that defense stink it up last year. You saw the defensive line stink it up last year. They're still trying to figure things out. Well, again, this is my future. I plan on being three and out. I'm gonna go behind the guys where it's, it's pretty. It makes more makes more football sense. So, as much as it hurts to miss out on Hill, who I think is, I think Hill's the best linebacker prospect since Derrick Johnson to come through here. It hurts. At the same time, from a football standpoint, it it made the most sense. So I wasn't too butthurt about it, but. I mean, you win some, you lose some, man. And I just – it sucks they didn't get him. It sucks they didn't get him, but I think he made the best decision for himself. And, hey, that transfer portal is still exists. So I want to go bef- – because we're running short on time here, but so screw Colton Vasek. Where does Texas <laughs> – Vasek, where does that Texas – Vasek wanted to get out of Austin, point blank, period. Yeah. Okay. He wanted, and he also Texas screwed up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how Where do does sometimes. that leave Texas with defensive prospects? Outside of Jalen Hale, I think – we have Jalen Hale on this list, but outside Jalen Hale, defensive prospects. JV and Toviano is probably your biggest need. It's probably your not your biggest need, but one of your biggest names that you are going after now. I'll say this. And that dude, that dude, he flows with the wind. You just visited LSU. LSU's up top there, but one of the constants that you like to see is Texas is always in that race. I, I don't think he's going to LSU. Um, if you if y'all saw it last week, um, and had two cornerbacks committed, highly rated cornerbacks committed for a long time, and one of them peeled off last week. That was Bravion Rogers. I believe Bravion Rogers is heading to LSU, and what that does for Texas, who I you know I thought was sitting pretty for Toviano, well, 
that makes Toviano that much more important now for AM again. So you're going to have a dogfight on your hands there. Um, I don't expect him to commit early. I expect Toviano to probably go ahead and drag this thing out at least until after the Red River um, in October. And he could be a guy, he could, he's a guy I could see taking it to December, you know, whether he makes a commitment or not. He's a guy that, you know, you're going to be watching. But um, it, I think it's a Texas versus Texas A&M battle there. And I think Texas's odds went down a little bit when Bravion Rogers decommitted from A&M because the, the, the importance of him um, and just the optics of everything, of him being in A&M's class, it's, A&M's getting their butt kicked in recruiting this year. So they're, they're, I think they're going to pull out all the stops for Toviano. And if Texas really wants them, they're going to have to do the same thing. And um, – I don't know that I'm confident they're going to win that one right now, but obviously it's recruiting. It could change hell. It could change as soon as we get off this podcast, right? But right now, I'm still leaning towards their trailing in them in that battle. Yeah, David Hicks. Let's not even talk about it. he's going to OU. Talsili Akana. Oh, he might not go to another OU. We guy. Know he's not going to Texas. <laughs> yeah, Talsili Akana, a guy who actually the loss of um, what's his name. Uh, the loss of Jake Lange, a support staff member mm. who had really big ties into the Polynesian uh, community, which I believe Talsili Akana is part of, being from Hawaii, mm-hmm. that's a huge loss, losing Jake Lange. But Talsili Akana would be the guy who, I mean, his sister's already here. Mm-hmm. If they get him, that helps you out on the defensive end position quite a bit. Well, he'll, he'll be in town. Uh, he'll be a, an official visitor for the Bama game, and um, mm-hmm. if they just can compete in that game, be competitive, man. I think I think the odds are strong, especially with Oklahoma land and Bostic. Their their main competition with Akana, um, from everything I gather, was Oklahoma, and I don't know if Oklahoma now has room for them. So, if they can do what they're supposed, well, if they can handle their business, knock it out of the park on this official visit, I think there's a a decent chance that they end up landing Akana. And after missing on Bostic, after missing on Braylon Shelby. Um, that's 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 not a bad constellation at all, at all. No, not at all. Or you go with Damon Wilson out of Venice, the five-star defensive end, who is uh, probably also going to be visiting Texas as well. Yeah, he he included Texas in his top five. It kind of came as a surprise, you know, to people that covered the program a few weeks back. Um, I'm still tempered. I'm tempering my optimism there until he gets to campus. You know. If he makes it to campus for a visit, then I'll, I'll start to, okay, you know, if there's one guy worth throwing the kitchen sink at, it's a five-star defensive end. Now, that kid's 6'5", mm-hmm. already 20, 30 pounds. He'll be 6'5", 250 when he gets here. And you can – it's videos of him, you know, throwing down 360 dunks. He's a freak, okay? And he would come in as a freshman for Texas and immediately make an impact. But um, even with Wilson, I, I think you all just wait. If he makes it to campus, then we can start talking, Okay. I know he dropped the top five off, you know, this, that, and the third, and Texas was there, but we'll check back in a few in a few months and, and see where things really are there. I think it'll right. be telling what he does in the first few months of the season. Uh, not defensive prospect, but I'll talk about him anyways. Jail, Jalen Hale, what are your thoughts on him, and how confident are you in him right now? Because it's between Texas and Bama probably, and he's coming for the Bama game. He just got back from Bama. Thoughts? Uh, hey, Bama scares me. You know, Bama, Bama can comparing the two programs from a receiver development standpoint. It's, there's not a conversation. Um, comparing the programs from a success standpoint, there's there's not a comparison. Um, usually those games don't sway kids, you know, very much. But if Texas, 
gets embarrassed while he's on campus for that game, I think that could have a big impact on that kid. You know, if asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have said that I, I pretty much penciled him into the class. But um, he went to Alabama for that visit. Alabama, you know, laid out what they can do for him and what they've done and compared it to Texas. You know, he, he got a lot of, you know, pretty much, you know, Texas can't Texas can't touch Bama. So <laughs> no. Texas has to – they have to look good. They have to compete, okay? They have to continue to get their receivers the ball. And um, I think we'll know something after the Alabama game. But I am – I would be lying to you if I sat here and said that I still think Texas is going to get him right now. Um, Alabama's a huge threat. They decided they want him. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to pull him. But if there is a group that can do it, I mean, Brandon Marion. I don't know about him as a recruiter, but you know what he can do from a, from a developmental standpoint. And if Xavier Worthy, you know, has that big year um, like we're expecting, um, it's only gonna help with Hale. And I don't think Hale really wants to leave the state if he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, think, thinking about Brandon Marion. Who else did Pitt have at wide receiver last year? Uh, it was Jordan Addison. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't. I don't. I couldn't tell you. But their guys were productive. What was the initial depth chart going into the season? You had wide receiver Tysir Mack and Shockey Jacques Lucas. Jacques Lewis. No, I don't know any of them. Exactly. So, I mean, it was really Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison was your guy. You know, they didn't play great teams, but they didn't play bad teams. Hopefully, Brennan Mary can figure out a way to work Xavier Worthy into sort of the Jordan Addison mold, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't I don't worry about Worthy. That's He was a born natural football player, and Mary is only going to enhance what he can do. You know, again, it sucks so bad because it was going to be so dynamic with him and Nayor. That would have been the best combination in the country, in my opinion. But, um, no, I'm, I'm excited about Marion, about what he can do. And um, I just – man, you got, I'm getting sad again because <laughs> that messes up everything. It messes up oh, well. everything, man. But, no, Marion's the real deal. Hopefully he's around longer than one season. Can't do anything about it. We'll see. Anyways, I think that's going to end it off for us. Uh, this has been 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. Coach DT, Darius, thank you for joining me again. Darius, where can we find you? You can still follow me on Twitter, Coach DT underscore TFB. Um, I don't really use any other social media. Um, again, hectic time of the year, but still would love to hear from you guys. And um, hopefully we gave you something to – kill some time with today and, 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 you know, informs you on a few things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not the sunshine pump podcast. Oh, hell no. I'm not. Forget all we'll, that. We'll give it to you. We'll give it to you raw. Forget all that sunshine stuff, man. And you guys can find me, Will Bazer, your host on Twitter at Will Bazer, W I L L B A I Z E R on Twitter. That's pretty much the only, aren't you I'm, verified? I'm yeah. Big time. Will. no, I'm not a verified account. I don't think I ever will be. I'm very much it's no coming. longer a reporter. It's coming. I am I'm sort of letting my wild side loose on Twitter. It's it's uh, a little scary. We'll see. <laughs> see how that goes. Uh already already blocked by Jeff Banks, already blocked by Gary Patterson. It's been a good <laughs> been a good run. Uh yeah, just my my bio literally says enjoyer of chaos. Well, let's go. Uh also, I think just a little bit of a notes for this podcast. Again, Darius is an actual coach. So he'll be tied up during the season. I am getting my MBA at Texas, so I will be tied up during the season. 
We're going to try to do this show as much as we possibly can, but no promises. Especially if Texas is getting their ass kicked like last year. Hey, if y'all start we'll if y'all start an NIL deal for this podcast, we'll do this shit every week. I can, we'll make it work. I, I mean, we do have we do have a Patreon. If you if you are so inclined that you love this show as much so much, go ahead and contribute to the Patreon uh, so that I can afford the Zoom and the uh, pot, the, all the all the mics that I need to buy for this damn podcast. So, yeah, help us help you. We'd appreciate it. Help us help you. Exactly. On that note, thank y'all for listening. We will see y'all whenever we see y'all. Hook them. Hook them.